athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Happy New Year, and thank you for joining us on our first show of the new year. I am your host, Donald Ware. Hope you enjoyed the last couple of weeks of our 2023 year-end review shows. Part one a couple of weeks ago, part two on last week, and some of our most memorable conversations from that time. If you've missed any of the both of those shows, one of those shows, you want to listen to it again, log on to our website at boxtorow.com and click on the archived shows. And some of the conversations, as a matter of fact, you can also find on the Box to Row YouTube page. Look, a lot going on. We've got a national championship game that's going to be played on next Monday between Michigan and Washington. I think it's an appropriate uh, a, a national championship game. When you look at Michigan, I thought Michigan would win this game. Uh, two things. I thought I thought Michigan would win the game going in, and I hoped that Michigan would win the game. Look, as it relates to college football, like, you know how I feel about college football. And there's a lot of things I want to get to on the program today related to college football. But, I mean, I'm going to watch, like, you know, the transfer portal, which I'm going to talk about today for the last time, okay, Listen, the transfer portal is here. It's here to stay. I'm going to talk about being against the transfer portal one last time because what's, you know, what's the use? It's, it's here to stay. It is what it is. But um, watch the, the game between Michigan and Alabama. I did not have a chance to watch the Texas and Washington game, although the highlights, uh, I had a chance to watch the highlights. And this kid, Pinnock, uh, the quarterback for Washington, boy, he is he he really looks to be something special. Uh, when you look at some of the throws that he made in this football game, when you look at some of the th- some of the throws that he's made uh, throughout the course of his se- of his season, Michael Penix Jr. is something special. That said, I, I, even though I look at John Har, I look at Jim Harbaugh, and I look at all of what has happened with him this season with the Michigan program this season he's gotten suspended he's been under investigation for various things some of which they say well he didn't know about it and he may not have known about it I think at the end of the day however if you're running that program you've got to know sometimes you don't know but you you're you're responsible I'll put it to you like that for knowing I wanted to see Harbaugh get there he had been to the college football playoff the last couple of years and this has been progression I mean, if you think back to maybe three or four years ago, I'm not saying Michigan people were trying to run Harbaugh out of town, but there was a faction in college football that seemed to be trying to get him out of 
that Michigan job, or at the very least, and I don't want to say trying to get him out of the Michigan job, but say that he should be fired from that job. And pretty much since that, you know, you look at the last couple of the two previous years, making it to this round and finally getting over the hump to the national championship game with an opportunity to win. This is a this is a tough Washington team, especially when I talked about Penix. Um, I thought, um, it, it, look, that was just a good football game, a tough Alabama team, but an Alabama team. I wasn't terribly impressed. I hadn't watched Alabama a whole lot this year. Uh, I thought the uh, Crimson Tide ran the football well, but didn't, you know, not necessarily great in the pass game at all. You know, defensively solid enough, but Michigan just made, you know, one more play, a couple of more plays, and able to take that football game. So it's quite possible whether Michigan wins the national championship or not that he could make a return to the National Football League. And I think you have to look at the success that Harbaugh Harbaugh had in San Francisco. I mean, in four seasons uh, in San Francisco, his record was 44-19, made a Super Bowl appearance, went to another NFC Championship game. I don't remember exactly what happened last season. The 49ers were 8-8, and I think think he may have been dismissed, if I'm not mistaken. I, I can't remember exactly... What happened? He, I, I can't remember if he was dismissed, if he decided to, to step away. I, I don't remember exactly uh, what happened. I, I believe it was before all of the Colin Kaepernick kneeling, the, before Colin Kaepernick started kneeling. But look, I think, you know, he's, he's, he, he, the one thing he could do is win a national championship. I think this is the year. I mean, I think if you look beyond this, I mean, yeah, could he do it next year? Sure, he could do it next year. I think. When you look at last year, and I think he he did have a couple of interviews in the National Football League. I think one of the interviews uh, was with the Vikings last year. But it was incentive for him to come back because all he made it to was the college football playoff. This year, he's already made it to the, he's now made it, I should say, to the national championship game. And so with that, he, you know, win or lose, I think, you know, what more can you do? You've got a really good team. Is this going to be the same team next year? Who knows? Maybe they get better. I think they're going to lose. They are going to lose some guys, just not not necessarily via the transfer portal, but just to graduation. So, look, I think this is the last year we're going to see John Harbaugh. At, uh, I keep saying John. Jim, Jim, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. And... Um, I think he moves on next year to the National Football League because, look, he already showed in the league he could coach. He was a good player. He was a, a a solid quarterback in the National Football League. He knows the game. He's had success, a lot of success as a head coach. Uh, has been in uh, in college football the last 10 years, and I think he'll give it another shot uh, in the National Football League. But we'll see. Look, that Washington team, as I mentioned, Penix as the quarterback, man, he made some throws. I mean, just in terms of some of the highlights, I didn't see the game. This kid made some throws. Like, he made some throws. So, excited to see uh, what happens next Monday between Michigan and Washington. Look, if you haven't heard, Willie Simmons has the former now head football coach at Florida A&M has taken on 
the running back's coach position at Duke. Okay, he's now the running back's coach at Duke. Manny Diaz uh, became the or was introduced as the head football coach at Duke a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, as a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, no, matter of fact, uh, last year, maybe last year, I think, uh, meaning in the 2022 football season, we had Manny Diaz as a guest on this program when he was the head coach at Miami. And I think the foundation has been laid. It's, Duke is a tough place to win, right? But I think the foundation has been laid uh, for Diaz. He's got some ties to the area. He was uh, an assistant coach under Chuck Amato uh, for many, for a couple of years at uh, North Carolina State. So I think this is good. But I, I really like this move for Willie Simmons. And one of the things I'm going to do a little bit later on in the program as we talk about, well, once we get in, we'll get into uh, recruiting. But with respect to Willie Simmons, I had a chance to catch up with him um, back in October. And we talked about, okay, the, maybe the lack, not only the lack of black head uh, coaches at the FBS level, but also because, look, I know, and I think we know that Willie Simmons did not graduate from NHBCU, but he's his life in terms of coaching at the collegiate level up until now at Duke has been spent at HBCU's offensive coordinator at Alcorn State. Um, he was the head coach at Prairie View A&M where he had some su- success, went on to Florida A&M, has had a lot of success at Florida A&M. Of course, the Rattlers named HBCU national champions. So we know he can coach, but this is the thing. Like when Florida A&M was making that move to, at the time we called it Division 1A, and as a matter of fact, had made the move for one year where it was an independent 1A program for one year. A lot of people don't remember this. It was either 2003, 2004. Willie Simmons had had graduated Clemson, not transferred, he graduated Clemson, was going to Florida A&M because he's from, I think, Quincy specifically, but he's from the Tallahassee area, was going to and had enrolled at Florida A&M. I think he may have, I think he may have, maybe he participated in, some of the spring drills, he never played though, but he had every intention of playing and thus possibly getting his a, a graduate degree at Florida A&M. So, so I look at Willie Simmons in a bit of a different life, light when it comes to um, the possibility of HBCU coaches or HBCU grads, I should say specifically, becoming coaches at the FBS level, okay? So, for me, I think this is a good move for him to be able to get to that next step in terms of being a head coach at the FBS level. The only thing I would say is this. You know, you you he ran that program, and, and, and kudos to Manny Diaz, kudos to Duke University for hiring him. Certainly Manny Diaz has, or Coach Diaz has, you know, his people that he wants to hire in terms of being an offensive coordinator. He's got an offensive coordinator. I got all that. I mean, there are not many better college minds in college, offensive minds in college football than Willie Simmons. I don't care what level you're talking about, okay? But, boy, what? why is it that we have to, when we, I think the next progression 
to me, okay, and you don't have a lot of situations where you're at an FCS school, you go to an FBS school, you're a head coach at an FCS school, you go to be an FBS coach at an F, at an FBS school. One of the things that com- one of the uh, coaches that comes to mind is Jim Trestle, who went from being the head coach at Youngstown to the head coach at Ohio State. That's a huge jump. Okay, that doesn't happen very often. But it seemed to it would seem to me that the next progression would be going from a head coach at an FCS, in this case Florida A and M, to an offensive coordinator at the FBS level. Now maybe Willie Simmons had some 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 uh, opportunities a, as an offensive coordinator at the FBS level. Maybe not at the um, not at the at the uh, Power Five level. And so there, look, I, I guess you got to crawl before you walk. I think it's a good move for him if he wants to, in fact, become a head football coach at the FBS level. And look, we're going to do this. Let me step aside because we got a lot of stuff to get to today. I want to talk transfer portal. Uh, a lot of I want to talk a lot here on today's program. I'm going to replay part of a conversation that I had with Willie Simmons when I asked him about being a head football coach at the FBS level. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss more of what we have in store right here on Box to Row. Don't move. I'm on my own against the world. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. Hello, this is Janelle Monet. This is Omari Hardwick. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. The girl rock can the scene of the mic, y'all. This is Simone Biles. You know what it is. This is the one and only... Hey y'all, it is the EST of WWE, the strongest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, the quickest, the greatest, the best on Box to Row. Tune in if you want to catch the best BEST interview ever. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare. What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? low-cost airlines with one call to low-cost airlines you'll drastically slash your travel costs we're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations where would you like to go london rome costa rica australia wow that's cheap so why wait call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the u.s or international our prices are so low we can't publish them the only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. 
you for making Box to Row a part of your day for this first week in 2024. As was mentioned in the last segment, Willie Simmons, now former head football coach at Florida A&M. He's now the running backs coach at Duke. Had a chance. I'm going to play this clip. I asked him about the possibility of him being eventually a head coach at the FBS level, the lack of black coaches and specifically coaches that are HBCU grads or coaches with with at least HBCU significant HBCU ties and being not or not being head coaches at the FBS level. And this is how he responded. Well, I think, um, you know, I think anyone who who does something uh, in the back of their mind or in the front of their mind even, you know, has that feeling of, can I do it at the highest level? You know, if you're, if you're a Division One AA football player, you know, doesn't mean you don't love the school you're playing at, but when you're going out there and you're making plays on Saturdays against 1AA opponents or D2 opponents, in the back of your mind, when you're watching college football and you see Alabama and Georgia and you just ran for 175, in your mind saying, I think I can do that there. You know, I, I can I can be a, a thousand yard rusher in the SEC. You know, if you're a quarterback and you just threw four touchdowns and you know threw for 300 plus yards, you, you're looking at you know Clemson versus Georgia Tech and saying, man, I think I can go and play at that level and show that I'm good enough because I think part of us wants to show that we're capable of doing those things. And so whether it's NFL or major college football, you know, there is a part of me that says, okay, I've been extremely successful. Uh, you know, relatively speaking, at the LCS level, could I could I replicate that at a group of five school, at a power five school? You know, I've been in been called a you know, great play caller. You know, during my time, could, could I could I have the same success as a play caller in in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten? And so, just that <clears throat> human element in me, um, wanting to prove that to myself. Yeah, obviously, I think about it. You know, and so if the opportunity presents itself, it's something that I, I you know, you just have to look at, you just have to consider. You know, uh, Dion caught a lot of flack for, for going to Colorado. You know, oh, he made these promises to Jackson and talked about doing it for the culture and bringing players to HBCUs, and then he ups and leaves and goes to Colorado. Well, you know, it, it, we are human. We do have families. It's kind of hard to turn down five point nine million dollars <laughs> to, <laughs> to stay out of school when you're making about three hundred, four hundred. So it's not about the money. It's not you know solely about the money. But I think guys like myself, Trey Oliver, um, the coaches who've been extremely successful at this level, you know, part of us do wonder what it would be like to to have an abundance of resources, right? You know, we come every day to schools who don't who are low resource, who we have to get out of the mud. Um, what would it be like if I walked into a building and had unlimited resources where we can get on a plane and go recruit in California if we saw a player that we like, you know, as opposed to trying to figure out a way to to, to drive four, four hours to recruit, you know. So not saying I, you know, I love FAMU. Of course, I talked at length about what FAMU means to me. I'm from here. My entire family is here. My wife graduated from here. Our oldest son is a graduate. He's in law school here now. And so, yes, FAMU has a special place in my heart, always will, you know, but Obviously, in this profession, I think AD search firms are always looking for that next guy because of the big business of, of college athletics. And so, you know, guys like me and Trey Oliver get those opportunities. You know, we have to listen. Doesn't mean we'll take it. You know, but 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 I think it would be crazy for people to think that we wouldn't 
entertain, you know, offers from bigger schools just because of that innate desire to want to prove that we can do it at the highest level. That was Willie Simmons back in the latter part of October on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast with a candid and honest answer. A lot of times, especially during the season, I mean, the, the a lot, you know, coaches, you ask them that question, and really I prefaced the question by saying, hey, if you don't want to answer the question, don't answer the question. Not, you know, we, I'm, just, I'm just asking because I think he's a talented coach and should have an opportunity one day to be a head coach at the FBS level. He is now, of course, the, the running backs coach uh, at Duke. But this is, this, is the, this is the deal. This is sort of the issue, another one of the issues um, that I have that I'd like to address and like to talk about and, of course, like to get your thoughts. Uh, you can always hit us up uh, at, on uh, X or Twitter, at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, personally on my personal Twitter or X account, as it were, at dware one at dware one How come our coaches, okay, even if, not, okay, as I mentioned in the first segment, okay, he's not an HBCU grad, which is okay, because as I mentioned, had every intention of playing at Florida A&M, things just did not work out, okay, um, but he has significant HBCU ties and by the way at one time he was the offensive coordinator at Middle Tennessee uh, State at the time which uh, is an FBS program so he he already had those ties to the FBS coaching level okay maybe not at the power five and he mentioned and, and, and really I thought this part of the significance of what he spoke about was not just being a head coach at the FBS level but being a head coach at the at the Power Five level, and so I thought that was significant, and, and we have to make a point of that as well. That said, why is it that our coaches less? You know, again, Deion Sanders, again HBCU ties a couple of years at at Jackson State, and really, um, also, I mean, and quite frankly, he's got a degree from Talladega. Okay, but quite, but but again. I think that's a different scenario to move from Jackson State to a Power Five. It's Deion Sanders sort of transcends that because of who he is. It's a little bit different. Uh, Got to give my man a big shots out to Jay Hobson. I enjoyed him while he was the head coach at Alcorn State. As a matter of fact, his first year had a chance to talk with him at the SWAC Media Days. Come on the show many a times. Have kept kind of kept up with him um, here and there. Last I knew, he was like. Um, at, at Mississippi State, he he left um, during the COVID season. Uh, uh, Southern Miss, where he was the head coach, I think he was there for like four years. He had some success. He had, a, he had pretty good success. They went to like three bowl games. He had a winning record the time he left. But big shots out to Jake Hobson as well, who had those HBCU ties, who went to an FBS program. But the other thing about Jay Hobson is Jay Hobson, most of his coaching experience was already at the FBS level from the time he was a GA at Georgia and I believe at Tulane as well. And then he had other experiences mostly at the FBS level. Again, with coaches at our level, HBCU grads or not, why is it that we can't make the jump from a head coach at an HBCU at the FCS level to 
a head coach at the FBS level. Now, I realize you don't really make a jump, per se, from the FCS level as a head coach to the FBS level. That doesn't really happen, okay, unless you're, unless you're Jim Trestle Jim or maybe if you're, more recently, if you're Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor was the head coach at Sacramento State, had a lot of success there, and now is the head coach at Stanford, and he just completed his first season. So that, I mean, in the, in not even at the HBCU level, at the FCS level, you don't necessarily become a head coach at uh, an FBS school, uh, at a power five school, um, I would say. But let me pose this to you. Okay. Let me pose this to you. What about a guy like a Bobby Chesney? Okay. Who in four years uh, as the head coach, at Holy Cross, had a lot of success. Or not four years. He was there for more than four years. But he had a 44-21 and 21 record. At Holy Cross, um, he, um, as a matter of fact, and he was a, like a D2 coach before that, but he led Holy, Holy Cross to, in, it was really, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, four NCAA um, FCS appearances, right? So you got to give him a lot of credit there. He makes the move from Holy Cross to James Madison. He's now James Madison's new head coach. James Madison had a lot of success and is poised to have a lot of success. I really, really like what James Madison is doing. I mean, and and again, when I talk about some of these guys, it's nothing against those guys. Those guys have earned the right to be where they are. But I also believe, that Willie Simmons has earned the right to be considered at the FBS level now. In other words, he shouldn't have to, and it is a good move for him because that could lead to something good. You do something else, and as a matter of fact, he's been a running backs coach. He was a running backs coach at Middle Tennessee State before he became offensive coordinator, and it's it's all good. He's at the Power 5 level. It's great. All I'm saying is, you know, at the minimum, a guy like a Willie Simmons, to me, looking at his coaching history, looking at what he's done, looking at even what he did as a quarterback in college football, most notably at Clemson, should have an opportunity to be a head football coach at the FBS level and then ultimately at the Power Five. So, uh, again, Bobby Chesney is a guy that um, that is just one Example And again, it's nothing against these guys. Uh, again, these guys have earned the right to be where they are. But I think also Willie Simmons has earned the right to get his opportunity as well. Look, let me pause it right there because I am up against the break. I want to talk a little bit more about this in terms of why HBCU coaches don't get the opportunities at the FBS level specifically as head coaches, and then even to a degree, I mean, you've had some, you know, like you've got Jerry Mack, like Jerry Mack's an assistant coach at, you know, at Tennessee. Like he's gotten his opportunity. I think he's maybe running backs coach or something like that, former head coach at North Carolina Central, uh, even though he played at Arkansas State as well, but he's an alum of Jackson State as well uh, also. So, So there are some, but not enough. Let's talk about it a little bit more on the other side as Box to Row rolls on. 
You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for him. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Michael B. Jordan. And, and, I, and I think it's a testament to, you know, what HBCUs mean to people. You know, and, 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 and having that community and culture and shining a light on the universities, you know what I'm saying, in a real way and creating a pipeline from these kids in high school and making them feel good about wanting to land at HBCU. We have high, you know, high, high talent. Um, and often it's gone and shipped out to other places. It's never poured back into the community. So if we can create an environment that's cool and a beacon of light and people want to feel like they want to be here. And so putting it on a national stage is really big. You know, most of the time these kids don't get televised games, you know what I'm saying? So be able to put them on Turner in a real way was really, really important. Um, and, and, and then the brands and then the sponsors, you know what I'm saying? And getting, you know, the NBA, you know, scouts and looks to come in and hopefully like build this thing bigger. The one and only Stephen A. Smith. It's my sincere hope that when my ride ends, I'll get a big hug and a big thank you for what I tried to do for other people when I was at the top. Because that's all you have to lean on at the end of the day, bro. I mean, I I plan on being successful for years to come, but it ain't going to last forever. And, you know, when my day comes, when when it's the end of the road and it's time for somebody else to be in my seat, in my chair, you know, it's my hope that whoever that person or those people are, people that knew I cared about them and believed than them to help them get to this place. Hey, Spike Lee. Thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on, the, on rails all over the nation. Thank you for that question. I'm a third generation Morehouse man. I was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from and high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what is good and, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. As we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? University. <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought the awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Dave Roberts, manager of the LA Dodgers, to be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers. What does that mean to you? I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility. With recency and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give other people of color opportunity. Hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honest. You know, football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have Going to Division One, NBA All Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to One Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a 
up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melo. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey y'all, it is the EST of WWE. The strongest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, the quickest, the greatest, the best on Box to Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at BoxToRow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row. Real. Relevant. Radio. Big shots out to Texas A&M quarterback Marcel Reed. He is the son of former Tennessee State head football coach Rod Reed in Texas A&M's bowl game. He was 20 of 33, 361 yards. He had uh, 29 yards rushing. He had a touchdown and an interception in the ball game. And he's a true freshman, played in three games, so he really has an opportunity to redshirt, could compete for the starting quarterback job at Texas A&M on last year. But his 361 yards passing in the bowl game was more than what we saw uh, or more than what any other Texas A&M quarterback threw for this season in terms of the 361 yards. And so congratulations to him. I know Coach Reed is proud, has been following, you know, really following his son and, um, Really, uh, you know, the last couple of years that he hasn't been a head coach has really been able to be involved with him. So that's great. I'm hoping that, you know, Rod Reed gets an opportunity as a head coach once again somewhere else. Thought he did a really good job for his years at uh, or during his years at Tennessee State. Back to our conversation in terms of why uh, and the fact that I should say either HBCU grads or coaches with HBCU ties don't get opportunities to be head coaches at the FBS level, rarely get opportunities to be offensive or defensive coordinators at the FBS level. And you do have some coaches that have opportunities to be uh, assistant coaches at the FBS level. Uh, I mentioned Jerry Mack is one. There are some others uh, that are around um, as well, but again, more most notably, or more notably, right now we're talking about Willie Simmons, now the running backs coach at Duke, former head football coach at Florida A and M, and and again, why he hasn't gotten his shot uh, at least. I mean, again, he should. I think he should have gotten a, a shot to run a program. You heard the clip in the last segment. If you did not, when I asked him about the possibility of being a head coach. At the FBS level, this was back in October in the midst of the Florida A&M season. He answered the question candidly. You can uh, go to the Box to Row YouTube page and uh, search under the, actually under the HBCU Football Daily Podcast from sometime in October where we had the conversation with Willie Simmons. But again, you know, there's a stigma associated with being at an HBCU, and there there has been like that's the that to me is the only explanation 
that can be given to why coaches at HBCUs are not getting the opportunities. Because even as Willie Simmons said, and basically after he said what he said, if you heard the clip that I played, uh, when I was talking to him then, when we were talking live during that uh, that conversation, I said to him after he said all of that, thus lies the point that coaches at HBCUs do more with less, okay? Do more with less. Coaches at HBCUs do more with less. L- let's look at, and again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, I'm just giving examples. But look, Willie Simmons was 66 and 24 as the head coach at Florida A&M 66 and 24. That's in six seasons. I mean, the COVID season would have been seven seasons. So he's running the program, but Florida A&M did not play at all uh, in 2020. Didn't play in, 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 not even in the spring of 2021. Didn't play at all. Six seasons, 40, uh, six seasons. Okay. At Florida A&M. Excuse me, I say 66 and 24. That's his overall record, okay, at Prairie View A&M. But again, six seasons, 45 and 13. In six seasons, 45 and 13, his teams were 32 and 5 in conference play. 32 and 5 in conference play. Won the HBCU National Championship or, or won the HBCU National Championship, okay, made it to the FCS playoffs one year, had it had their had the Rattlers participated this past season, meaning in 2023, in the FCS playoffs, it would have made it to the FCF playoffs in another year. Um, missed just missed out making it back in 2022, and a lot of that had to do because of because the SWAC in 2022 just was not as strong a conference. Okay, again, he's been an offensive coordinator. At the FBS level, he's had success. Old Corn State, he was the offensive coordinator. Even at Prairie View A&M, he had a lot of success there. I, I, you know, but but there may not have been as many resources at PV as there are at Florida A&M, where he is now, and, and support for that matter, uh, because historically we know Florida A&M is one of the blue bloods, if you will, uh, of HBCU football. Uh, and now look where that program is. Look where he left it and look at the success that he had as the head football coach. Let me give you another example of coaches. And again, these examples that I give of coaches that have made the move, okay, have made the move from where they are to uh, at the FCS level to the FBS level as, as a head coach. I'm going to give you another example. Again, this is no indictment on this coach is just an example. I don't know uh, the coach that I'm going to mention. I don't know him. I'm sure I'm, he's, uh, if you look at his resume, he's done an, a phenomenal job. But his resume, to me, is very much akin to where Willie uh, Simmons is. And, and as a matter of fact, I would make the argument that Willie Simmons has more of a resume. Scotty Walden. So Scotty Walden uh, just became the the new head football coach at UTEP. And and let me also say this. I'm going to talk about, but let let me say this as well. I don't know what other opportunities that Willie Simmons may have had. Maybe he had an opportunity to be the head coach at UTEP and decided, you know, it's just not for me, the UTEP program. uh, You know, it, it is where it is. 
and maybe this is just not the opportunity for me. I don't know that, and maybe this Power 5 opportunity he felt like was the best opportunity at Duke and could get him to where he wants to be because obviously he said that in the clip. He said, look, I'm happy where I am, but I, look, I'm, if, if an opportunity is presented, I'm going to look at this opportunity. And I'm sure he had other opportunities. But Scotty Walden, okay, let's look at Scotty Walden's resume. Uh, he spent the, the previous or the last four years as the head coach at Austin P. Okay, 26 and 14 as the head coach, 17 and 6 in conference play, one NCAA tournament appearance. Okay, now that that that's not earth shattering. And, and again, nothing against him. It's not earth shattering when you look at the numbers. But I mean, he did have some previous uh, head coaching experience, albeit just a little bit. At Southern Miss, as a matter of fact, he became the interim coach at Southern Miss when Jay Hobson uh, uh, resigned, okay, as the head coach. But look, if you look at his coaching resume, okay, you know, and again, Willie Simmons is young, okay, he's young, he's 43 years old, okay, so he's young, but Scotty Walden is young as well. As a matter of fact, Scotty Walden uh, is 34 years old, so he's even younger than Willie Simmons is. And, and it, again, it's different tra- trajectories. A lot of times it's about relationships and who you know. I got it. Like, I got that. But I look at where Scotty Walden is, okay, just looking at his history, okay? He played ball at Sol Ross State, okay? He, um, if you if you look at and then also actually at uh, uh, was alma mater is, is Sol Ross State, uh, but he played at Harden Simmons. He did play at Sol Ross and Dort. Okay, now his coaching experience is thus: he was uh, really, I guess, right out of school, pretty much. He was the offensive coordinator at Sol Ross. Okay, the next uh, the next year from 2013 to 2015. He was the offensive coordinator at Division Three East Baptist East Texas Baptist. Okay, 2016 he was the head coach at East Texas Baptist. Had some success. Now became the head coach uh, for two years or the wide receivers coach, I should say, at Southern Miss under Jay Hobson for two years. Then became co-offensive coordinator for two years under Jay Hobson before becoming the interim head coach at Southern Miss, where he went 1-3, then went to Austin Pay, had the success that I mentioned. It, no doubt it was success. If you look at it, 26-14, and 14, and an appearance in the FCS playoffs. As a matter of fact, the appearance happened this year. Austin, he was, he was, in, uh, he was the head coach at Austin Pay, which this year was, it was the uh, Big South OBC Conference. Okay, he was, the, the team was undefeated parlays that into a job at UTEP. Now, maybe he has a relationship with, uh, you know, the athletics director or or whatever. It, this is a, a relationship-based business, meaning college football and the coaching profession. Okay, but Willie Simmons's resume is much more than is, uh, again, Scotty Walden, yet Scotty Walden gets his opportunity to move from being an FCS coach, head coach, by the way, with less head coaching experience than said Willie Simmons, okay, 
to being the head coach at UTEP. I mean, there's, a, you know, he that's one example. I mentioned Bobby Chesney. Um, you know, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier on Troy Taylor, uh, who had a whole lot of success um, at Sacramento State, now the head coach at Stanford. But that's another uh, situation where you go from head coach at the FCS level to the FBS level. Um, another uh, gentleman that I would look at that, um, you know, maybe maybe the argument would be, a, you know, maybe against a little bit is um, Matt Entz who had a lot of success as the head coach at North Dakota State National Championship 2019-2021. Some success this year. I think North Dakota State was in the the final four uh, or maybe in the semifinal game. Um, He left to become the assistant head coach uh, of defense, whatever that means, and then the linebackers coach um, at USC. So he made he made that move as well. But then look, I look at guys like okay, I talked about Willie Simmons. You know what would be next for Trey Oliver at North Carolina Central? How about a Larry Scott? Larry Scott, remember Larry Scott, the head coach at Howard, who is now having success. Where it's tough to have success again. Howard and Duke are very akin when it comes to football, as far as I'm concerned. Very, very alike. It's tough to win at Howard. He's won at Howard the last couple of years, including being in the HBCU uh, runner-up, in essence, for the HBCU National Championship, um, Larry Scott. He was an interim head coach at Miami, where, by the way, okay, he had he was an assistant coach at Miami, has gone to the FCS. So will he get his opportunity if it presents itself or if, if that's what he wants to do? There's a stigma against being a coach at the HBCU level, and it's very unfortunate. We'll be back. Do you feel like the cost of car ownership has gotten out of control? Take charge by refinancing your auto loan today. One call to Rate Genius can save drivers an average of $1,200 per year. The loan specialists at Rate Genius have helped people for more than 20 years replace high interest auto loans, lower their payments, and spend less in interest. Rate Genius works with over 150 lenders to find you the most competitive terms. Customers lower their rate an average of three percentage points. That's huge savings. It's absolutely free to apply for refinancing through Rate Genius, and when you refinance your auto loan, you won't owe a payment for 45 days. Make a five-minute no-obligation call today and get on your way toward affordable car ownership. Call 800-958-0341. 800-958-0341. That's 800-958-0341. Rate of payment values are calculated by using the average savings for customers from January 1st, 2022 through December 31st, 2022. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on credit worthiness. Value of the Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline Travel Hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. It's Donald Ware, from the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you for making Box to Row a part of your day. In the last couple of segments, the question is, why don't HBCU coaches get opportunities 
at the FBS level, more opportunities at the FBS level, specifically as coordinators and ultimately as head coaches. And we've mentioned some, and there are others more than we've mentioned that uh, have been HBCU coaches or have coached at HBCUs or or HBCU grads that are assistant coaches at the FBS level. And, you know, for me, I believe that there's a stigma associated, an, an unfortunate stigma associated with HBCU football because I'm, I went through a myriad of other coaches that have had opportunities, and I realize coaches have um, have contacts and relationships and all of those things. And, again, it's centered for me around Willie Simmons. Great. He is the running backs coach at Duke. Phenomenal. He wants to be a head coach at the FBS level, as he, in essence, alluded to in the clip that I played uh, earlier in the program. Uh, and this was his path to, or maybe his path to doing show so. But I also put his resume up against some of these other coaches that I mentioned as well. And his resume stacks uh, well as well. With I mean, when I say against some of these other coaches, I mean some of these other coaches that have gone on to be FBS head coaches. So anyway, it's it, some of it's about relationships and all of those kind of things. But, um, you know, again, just a, a, just an unfortunate stigma associated with HBCU football. Um, I want to talk about the transfer portal and uh, for one last time, uh, NIL, because it's here to stay and that's what it's going to be. Um, HBCUsports.com does a great job in terms of they have a on their website, they have a tracker of all of the uh, HBCU players that have gone into the transfer portal and whether they they're committed to another program, whether they, what, what kind of offers they have, that type of thing. They do a really good job. Some of the big names, Jawarn Howell, the running back for South Carolina State, is committed to South Carolina. Keyshawn Johnson, the wide receiver from Alabama State, is committed to Vanderbilt. Both of those gentlemen were HBCU All-Americans. And if you're an A&T grad, one of the other um, names that caught my eyes, a bunch of names here. I mean, it, it, this is a thorough list. But one of the other names that caught my eye, North Carolina A&T fans, Varian Cole, who played the strong safety or rover position, is committed to App State or Appalachian State. So that's a huge loss for the North Carolina A&T defense. Um, look, we can look at Georgia, or excuse me, Florida State. And I talked about Florida State a couple of weeks ago and how I thought Florida State should have been in the college football playoff. I still stand behind that, although last week I talked about, wow, Florida State suing the ACC. Really? Wow. That aside, um, look, they got beat down. I mean, the Seminoles got beat down by Georgia, 63-3. to But a lot of that, and, and so some will say, see, we told you Florida State didn't belong in the college football playoff, but Florida State also had a bunch of guys, a bunch of key players out that have gone into the transfer portal that probably would not have gone into the transfer portal had uh, the, the Seminoles been in the college football playoff. And therein is part of the issue with uh, the transfer portal. Again, old school, right? The old school way was, I mean, I guess there's always been a transfer portal, but it's been, but, but 
in, in a way, but there's been rules with it. So, in other words, you could say, okay, if, if I'm playing at, you know, Alabama State, for instance, and I want to go to Vanderbilt, well, I got to sit out a year before I make that move to Vanderbilt. If I'm playing at Alabama State and I want to go, and I want to go to North Dakota State, I've got to sit out a year because I'm moving from FCS to FCS. Uh, if you if I'm moving laterally or if I'm moving up, I've got to sit out a year. If I'm if I'm going to Alabama State and I want to now go to Benedict, well, guess what? I can play right away. If I'm playing, if in if a player's playing at Alabama wants to go to Alabama A and M, guess what? They they can play right away because you can transfer down and play right away, but you can't transfer laterally or transfer up. Now that has totally gone out of the window. And there there were, you know, and even when you transferred, uh, you know, there were reasons, you know, and, and sometimes there were hardships. So in other words, the NCAA and, and, and by the way, even before I talk about that, used to be a time that if you graduated, you could go to any school you wanted to go to. So that was part of the academic side of things is making sure that kids graduated. So then if you wanted to transfer, you could graduate and go to any school you wanted to go to, uh, which was fine. Um, you know, at times the the NCAA offered hardships for student athletes. So sometimes I think you could even you know maybe transfer up if there was a if there. I think I I don't, I don't maybe I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but there I think there were certain hardships that enabled players to kind of play right away. But now we've got the wild wild west as it relates to the transfer portal. You know, kids just transferring or student or guys just transferring because they they can't take it in a program. Maybe maybe they felt disrespected or it's just it's it's it, but you know what? It's a it's it's sort of a a a a, a thing or a deal as it relates to society as a whole. This is just a piece of society. We're not as strong as we were once upon a time. You know, we're soft, if you will, right? And so now because of any little thing, you know, instead of something maybe, you know, maybe, hey, you know, I had a, a parent or, or, a, um, or a family member that passed away and now I want to be closer to home to be with my family, so I'm making the decision to transfer or you know, something along those lines and people and look, look, I'm this is I don't want to knock the student athletes, right? Like like players have reasons for wanting to transfer. Maybe it's just a bad program. okay? and you got to get out of the program. And so you transfer maybe the head coach or maybe some of his assistants are just not good people. Okay, I don't mean good coaches. Okay, and sometimes that's a reason that guys transfer too. But they're not good people. You know, they're toxic. It's a toxic toxic environment. It's a toxic program. Toxicity just permeates, and you make the decision to transfer. Got it. But in this day and age, guys are just transferring all over the place. I saw where the quarterback for Ohio State is going to transfer after a successful season. Yeah, really? 
I mean, look, I'm not not look, do your thing. Like, I don't want to knock that. It may be other reasons he's deciding to transfer. But one of the reasons that I read is because there may be a new offensive system and he not, may not fit into that system. Compete for that job. What happened to competing for these positions? Now, NIL is tied to this thing. I know of a of a player, um, as a matter of fact, at one FBS school that has been offered uh, money, in essence, to go to other schools to play. And it just makes more sense from a even from a financial standpoint to stay at said school. So, look, NIL is a big part of this thing as well. And then, the you know, the other piece to this from an HBCU perspective, our it seems like HBCUs are becoming training grounds to or a training ground to showcase or a showcase to then move to another school. And one of the issues that I, and again, there are different reasons for players making the decision to transfer from whatever school they're at to whatever school they want to go to. But I think also part of the problem is, and this is, I think this may be more of an, of a, of a basketball issue is you've got, because it's not just football, but it's football's the bigger sport and it's more, you have more players involved with football, though you have more numbers. But I think when you look at it pound for pound, there's just more players in football-wise than there are basketball-wise. And I'm talking about more so football and then men's basketball. But you've got players that have, that are, that have been at, multi, you know, in basketball, four, three or four schools that have played at three or four schools before coming to the next school or maybe to their final school. You know, and, and again... If it works for you, the system isn't that we are. There's a system in place and you should be able to utilize the system that's in place. The, the rules are set. The, my problem is with the rules, maybe not necessarily with the players, but with the rules. And, and, and so, you know, but again, getting back to HBCUs, it seems as though HBCUs are now becoming a training ground for FBS programs. I mentioned a couple of guys that are going to FBS programs. There, there are many more guys that are playing, uh, and these maybe these players, some of them, and again, it's not an indictment on all of them. There are different reasons, but maybe some of these players are the are, are, these are some of the same players playing at said school because maybe the school they're going to now didn't even recruit them out of high school. Okay, the school you're at now gives you the opportunity to come and play, and then they decide, well, I'm going to go to another school. Look, it's probably the last time you'll hear me talk in depth about the transfer portal. We, of course, talk about it from time to time because it is significant, and it's a big part of college athletics. But probably the last time I'll talk about it in depth. Your thoughts, you can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're there. Also, you can hit me up on my personal Twitter account at DWare1. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. For more information on Box to Row, we've got some great content. Maybe you've missed some shows over the uh, over the year of 2023. You can always log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. Um, and also check us out and follow us on the Box to Row YouTube channel. Next week, we'll talk 
a little basketball as it relates to HBCUs. So we'll get into the basketball swing of things. And always remember to support those that support your box to road is produced by DW Communications. 